God, you have given us so much, an earth that gives us life and sustenance through its food, water, and air, communities in which we connect with other human beings, growing in our relationships of support and encouragement, and the beauty and breathtaking views of your handiwork throughout creation. For every good gift that you have given to us, we are grateful. As we go through our days, bogged down in hustle and bustle, in busyness and schedules, in to-do lists and obligations, we pray that we will stop, look, and take in all that surrounds us, all that gives our bodies and spirits energy. Hear our prayers of gratitude. We also confess to you, our Creator, when we haven't exactly been grateful, when we haven't taken care of the earth, when we haven't honored the humanity in others, when we have looked out for ourselves rather than work to understand and nurture our connectedness to others. We confess that we are much more comfortable when we sit with our privilege rather than acknowledge it and use our voice to amplify the cries of those who are oppressed, underserved, and marginalized. God, fill us with your grace, your kindness, and your humility, empowering us to take every opportunity to love our neighbors and to love you. Embolden us to follow Christ, to see others as he saw them, as worthy and valuable parts of your world, created in your image. We are incredibly thankful for the mercy you offer so freely to each person, even when we fall short in extending our love, care, and compassion. May we embody this graciousness in our living as disciples of Jesus, helping others see how complete your love for humanity is, regardless of how misdirected or well-directed we are. God, hear all of our prayers that we offer to you this morning.
The witness of scripture this morning comes from the gospel according to Luke. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee standing by himself was praying, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like this tax tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all my income. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his chest and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other, for all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted.
If we venture down to the basement activity room in the Mother's Day Out area of the church, there is a bulletin board near the five-year-old classroom on which the teacher has placed colorful turkeys with the names of each child in the class and what they are thankful for this year. If we are running a little bit low on gratitude, these delightful children have some suggestions. Apparently still celebrating a very successful Halloween, one five-year-old is thankful for trick-or-treating. <laughs> there were several who expressed gratitude for food, including ham, turkeys, cake, and one was very specific, being grateful for a chicken. Gratitude was expressed for Mickey Mouse, and one was grateful for Teddy, but we are not sure if that is a friend or a bear. A couple of the children are thankful for dogs, and one child appreciates butterflies. One child is glad to be sleeping in my own bed, and another child likes washing my hands. Important reminders as we might have taken some of those things for granted. There were expressions of gratitude for friends, sharing with friends, and taking turns at the toys. And then one child offered this delightfully unique perspective, being thankful that I love you and me. It's that last expression of thanks that stands in remarkable contrast to this story Jesus told about two men who go up to the temple to pray. It's another one of Jesus's parables told only in Luke's gospel. Tempting though it is to settle for the low hanging fruit of making the villain into a hero and the hero into a villain, we would see more to this story than a bad Pharisee and a good tax collector. Instead, this is a story of two people who have more in common than they might admit. Both share the same religion, both are in worship, both are praying, albeit not the same prayer. They're fellow citizens. They might be neighbors. They know enough to know something about each other. They know enough to know that there are differences. And they know enough to know that there are differences in how people view them. This parable can be difficult to hear because over the centuries, it has been interpreted as proof that Pharisees were nothing more than a bunch of legalistic, rigid, elitist, religious killjoys, a group with which, with which Jesus always had conflict. To be sure, there were disputes between Jesus and some of the Pharisees, but not always. When people label a group with a singular characteristic, 
it then becomes very easy to dismiss, disrespect, dehumanize, and destroy them. And that's problem enough. But what has made that problem much worse has been the tendency to equate Pharisees with Judaism. It's a leap that over the centuries has led to horrific anti-Semitism, a poison still present and unconscionably increasing in these days. So it is very critical when we hear this story not to dispatch it by simply saying, well, you know how those Pharisees are. In fact, if we want to talk about how those Pharisees are, we should do well to remember that Pharisee is rooted in the word pure. Pharisees were dedicated to biblical study and to applying what they learned to how they lived. They took the Torah seriously and tried to live it faithfully. And this Pharisee is particularly devoted Two times a week, he goes without eating as an expression of his religious devotion. But his religion is more than withholding. It is also generosity because he gives 10% of everything he has to the work of God in the world. This Pharisee is serious about his religion. So much so that it shapes his eating and his spending. John Claypool observes, to order one's business affairs along the lines of justice and honesty is no small accomplishment. If we did not have people like this Pharisee, how long could any society last? He's ethical, he's responsible. And the good news is so many churches all over the world, including this one, are filled with people who take the faith as seriously as this Pharisee does, living it with courage and with strength. But he's not perfect. And perhaps part of the reason Jesus tells this parable is to remind his disciples that faith is more intrepid interaction than it is personal piety. This Pharisee is a decent person. And it's important to remember that so that we do not do to the Pharisee what the Pharisee has done to the tax gatherer. We have missed this parable if we come away saying, well, we're not perfect, but thank God we're not like that Pharisee. Honesty admits that's always tempting. Well, we're not perfect, but thank God we're not like, would you like to fill in the blanks here? <laughs> that group, that party, that religion, that team. <laughs> a long time ago, someone asked, am I a good person? To which the answer given was, eh, you're better than some, not as good as others. <laughs> this Pharisee is not perfect, and he's not horrible. The problem is where he looks, 
and the look in his eyes. Now, that the Pharisee looks with disdain on the tax gatherer would resonate with most of the hearers of this parable. For the tax collector is a fellow citizen who has signed on with the occupying country, Rome in this case, to shake down the neighbors for money to support the regime that's oppressing them. Now that's not exactly new, but it never makes people happy. And as the parable unfolds, for reasons we do not know, this tax gatherer is in the temple praying, which would have come as a surprise to some hearers. And he is laying his soul bare to God, which would come as an even greater surprise. But the greatest surprise is that Jesus says the way the tax gatherer prayed engages God while the way the Pharisee prayed does not. Now, wait a minute. Jesus, are you saying what people do does not matter? Are you overlooking this Pharisee's devotion and this tax gatherer's disloyalty? Square this, please, if you would, Jesus, with your statement that the central practice of faith is to love God and love neighbor. The parable does open with an explanation that it is directed to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. And that's helpful as long as we remember that parables are better mirrors than they are windows. This parable is so much richer than a one-time critique of this Pharisee's prayer. We may recall that much can be learned by listening to how people use pronouns, personal or communal possessive or inclusive. This parable provides an additional thought that much can be learned by how people say thanks. And this, this Pharisee's prayer is doubly revealing. James Howell refers to it as spirituality gone bad. The Pharisee refers to himself five times in just two verses. He's praying with himself, talking to his favorite person, because he stands apart from others and is by himself. His sacred practice has slid into self-righteousness, which has slid into despairing and despising others. He sees meaning only within himself and nothing beyond himself. His is thanksgiving misdirected. The Pharisee's prayer reminds us that where we fix our gaze is critical. God, I thank thee for me. A prayer that reveals what Martin Luther described as the heart all curved in on itself.
The tax gatherer's prayer is not self-centered. It is other-centered. So we see, we see why God can respond to the second prayer. But we would offer this important caveat. The parable says the tax collector would not even look up to heaven, and that is most likely a posture reflecting deep humility. But let us remember that sometimes people can become so convinced of or overwhelmed by their brokenness that they believe they are too far gone for God to redeem. To be sure, this Pharisee and the tax gatherer live different lives. But we would not miss that they are both alone and they're both isolated, one by pride, the other by shame. So let this parable invite them and invite us to a different posture and to a new way of relating going forward. Peter Gomes has written, Thanksgiving, if there is to be any at all, is to begin and end with God. Thanksgiving begins not with our successes and not even with ourselves, it begins with God. The good news of the parable reminds us that we are children of the second chance. For God calls us to live beyond pride or shame. Gomes suggests, God's forgiveness of our humanity and our forgiveness of our fellow humans makes this process work. We are not washed up. The book is not closed. The last word has not been spoken or written. Thanksgiving begins and ends with God, which is the best reason for giving thanks. So this week, as that holiday of Thanksgiving approaches, laden with lore and tradition and festivity, we ponder this parable's perspective and how right and good it is to begin this week at this table, a table called Eucharist. That's a compound Greek word, you meaning well and charis meaning graced. Thanksgiving calls all of us to a well-graced table. And it's where we recognize, as Diana Butler Bass has written, that everything is a gift. Bread is a gift. Wine is a gift. Life and joy are gifts. No one can ever pay them back. God never withholds. In the biblical view, God gives all gifts. And we human beings accept them and pass them on to one another. We never owned them to begin with. We are only mediators and stewards, not benefactors in our own rights. And 
because the source of all the gifts is the creator and creation, benefit extends beyond any one community or tribe or political arrangement. It extends to the whole human race. Anne Lamont, echoing sentiments from this parable, as only she can write, says, thanks is such a huge mind shift. From thinking that God wants our happy chatter and a public demonstration and is deeply interested in our opinions of the people we hate, <laughs> to feeling quiet gratitude, humbly and amazingly without shame at having been so blessed. When we go from rashy and clenched to grateful, we sometimes get to notice the experience of grace in knowing that we could not have gotten ourselves from where we were stuck in hate or self-righteousness or self-loathing, which are all the same thing, to freedom. Thanksgiving begins and ends with God. That's what this table proclaims. That's what is proclaimed in the parable of the Pharisee and the tax gatherer. And that is what is proclaimed on the bulletin board in the basement activity room where the little children are leading us. They're leading us with gratitude for food and friends and sharing and love that has been given to them and is being shared by them. And that, that is thanksgiving well-directed.